Welcome to Bed Bath & Beyond's Fiscal 2021 First Quarter Earnings Conference Call. My name is Sylvia and I will be operator for today's call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session. During the question and answer session, if you have a question, please press star, then 1 on your touch-tone phone. Please note that this conference is being recorded. I will now turn the call over to Susie Kim. Susie, you may begin. Thank you and good morning, everyone. Welcome to our fiscal 2021 first quarter earnings call. On the call with us today are Mark Tritton, our President and Chief Executive Officer, and Gustavo Arnal, our Chief Financial Officer. Before we begin, let me remind you that our fiscal 2021 first quarter earnings release and slide presentation can be found in the Investor Relations section of our website at bedbathandbeyond.com and as exhibits to the Form 8K we filed ahead of this call. This conference call and the slides we refer to may contain forward-looking statements, including statements about or references to our outlook regarding the company's performance, our internal models, and our long-term objectives. All such statements are subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from what we say during the call today. Please refer to our most recent periodic SEC filings for more detail on these risks and uncertainties, including the risk factor section in our annual report on Form 10-K and quarterly report on Form 10-Q. The company undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements. Additionally, the information we will discuss today contains certain financial measures that exclude amounts or are subject to adjustments that have the effect of excluding amounts that are included in the most directly comparable measure prepared in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. For reconciliation to those most comparable measures presented in accordance with GAAP, please refer to the table in our earnings release available on our website and included as an exhibit to our Form 8K file today. It is now my pleasure to turn the call over to Mark Tritton. Thank you, Susie, and good morning, everyone. Our first quarter results demonstrate continued momentum in our transformation as we progress towards the goals we outlined last quarter and, most importantly, at our Investor Day. 2021 marks the first year of our three-year transformation following the groundwork we laid in 2020, a year of historic and necessary change for this organisation against the backdrop of unprecedented challenges due to COVID-19. We took bold steps to build a stronger foundation through talent and team, financial capital and strategy, which enabled us to begin changing the trajectory of our business last year. As our first quarter results prove, we continue to deliver profitable growth as we re-establish our authority at home, recapture market share, and unlock our group's potential. For Q1, we delivered our fourth consecutive quarter of comp sales growth and achieved gross margin that exceeded our expectations. We continue to execute quarter after quarter, and we are pleased to be raising our full-year guidance outlook today. Gustavo will discuss our financial performance and outlook in more detail shortly. In summary, we have started the new fiscal year in a position of strength and are clearly on track to accomplish our 2021 goal as part of our three-year growth plan. I want to touch on some of the important highlights from the quarter that underscore our progress. We are accelerating growth through our digital-first, omni-always focus. 
net sales of approximately $2 billion for the quarter were comprised of 38% digital penetration at similar sales levels to our strong performance last year, even as stores recovered with customers returning to in-store shopping. This digital penetration is nearly double our 2019 levels, making digital a new strength for our organisation. This growth on a two-year basis was 84%. We're continuing to improve the customer experience, most recently expanding our same-day delivery capabilities in both the US and Canada. Through our partnership with DoorDash, same-day delivery is now available in an additional 3,000 zip codes in the US and 47 cities across nine Canadian provinces. This follows the successful launches of our BOPUS and contactless curbside pickup services during 2020. Our stores continue to be an operational strength for Bed Bath & Beyond during the quarter. In Q1, 31% of our digital demand was fulfilled from stores with BOPUS representing 14% and shipped from store in the same day delivery accounting for 17%. Our footprint plays a vital role in our digital first Omni Always strategy. We are also enhancing the customer experience with Bath & Beyond banner upgrades and remodels through our previously announced store remodel program. While we have already upgraded and refreshed the entire store fleet with signage and assortment curation, we also initiated 26 full remodels during the quarter, which was our targeted quarterly goal as part of our 130 to 150 store remodel plan this year. Ultimately, we will remodel 450 stores over three years, representing approximately 60% of our store revenue base. Early data from our remodel shows positive indications that sales and margin growth are exceeding our plans across both our prototype A and B upgrades in our pilot Houston market. As New York City returns to its original strength, we're excited about the upcoming unveiling of our flagship Chelsea store in New York as the city fully reopens this summer. We have transformed this store with new concepts, fixtures, open sight lines, revised merchandise, and a customer-centric layout for easy and convenient focus and checkout directly in the city. As for our assortment, we continue to differentiate Bed Bath & Beyond with a curated mix of important national brands and the addition of our own brand portfolio. As planned and previously discussed, we successfully launched our Nestwell, Haven and Simply Essential lines during the quarter. And this month, we also announced our next launches of Our Table and Wild Sage. Our sixth brand, Squared Away, will launch this July. We have now reached our first half goal to launch six of eight own brands ahead of schedule. Furthermore, our own brand penetration is currently at a high teens percentage, almost double last year's levels. We are well on our way to our 20% goal for 2021 and 30% by 2023. At our Bye Bye Baby banner, we returned to strong growth in Q1 with net sales increasing more than 20% versus last year when stores were still open. More importantly, sustaining its return to positive comp growth, Baby delivered a low single-digit comp on a two-year basis. Our goal to be the partner of choice for new parents is resonating, and we are confident of Bye Bye Baby's bold trajectory towards our 2023 goal of more than $1.5 billion in sales. Finally, we are modernising our infrastructure to further support our strategy and pursue greater operational efficiencies 
by enhancing our supply chain and technological foundation. The first phase of our end-to-end -end supply chain transformation is underway with the construction of our Northeast Distribution Centre. As part of this endeavour, we are currently finalising an agreement with a third-party logistics partner to begin establishing our new store replenishment approach. We've made progress towards reinventing our financial, inventory management and merchandising capabilities through our technology transformation. We selected Oracle as our enterprise resource planning provider last quarter and the next component of our IT roadmap is progressing with the appropriate designing and planning for our full ERP migration. We're making great strides in all aspects of our transformation and customers are also recognising the evolution. Our active customer base increased sequentially versus last quarter. Even more exciting, half of these active customers are shopping Omni and digital, double 2019 levels. These customers shop more frequently and with a larger basket size. We're also paving the way for a market share rebound. In Q1, we recaptured market share on a year-over-year -year basis with significant gains in our key categories of bed, bath and kitchen. We also experienced sequential monthly improvement, particularly in the bed category. As our results show, we have made meaningful progress with our transformation in just the first quarter of our three-year journey. We have confidently achieved each milestone along our transformation thus far, and I must thank our team of incredible associates for their work in defining and driving these results. We are a stronger, more agile company than ever before, and we are well on our way to building long-term growth and unlocking greater shareholder value. I will now turn the call over to Gustavo Arnal, our Chief Financial Officer, to review both our strong first quarter results and our outlook for the second quarter and revised full year. Gustavo? Thank you, Mark, and good morning, everyone. I'll provide additional perspective on our strong first quarter results and also on our second quarter guidance and improved full year outlook. Let me start by saying that our first quarter performance was better than our expectations on several levels, as we deliver on our fourth consecutive quarter of growth. Core sales growth of 73% came in higher than our guidance of 65 to 70% growth. This was a stronger than expected recovery from our COVID-related store closures last year. Gross margin of 34.9% was also ahead of our 34% guidance driven by strong own brand penetration assortment and better channel mix. Given this positive start of the year, we're raising our full year outlook for sales and EBITDA, and at the same time, reintroducing guidance for adjusted EPS. Looking more specifically at our first quarter results, as a reminder, reported net sales continue to reflect the impact from non-core banner divestitures completed last year, as well as our ongoing store fleet optimization program. Total net sales were $1.95 billion. This represented 73% growth from core banners. Worth noting, we believe that while first quarter growth rates are not fully comparable due to last year's COVID closures, for transparency and analyst modeling purposes, we estimate comparable sales growth of approximately 86%. This excludes an estimated 13% negative comp sales impact from our store fleet optimization program. This impact was more pronounced this quarter due to last year's lower COVID-impacted revenue base. 
versus 2019 on a two-year stack basis, comparable sales grew 3%, fueled by significant digital growth of 84%, and offsetting store sales reductions of 20%. As Mark described, our digital-first, only-always strategy remains an important component of our performance. Our digital channel represented 38% of total net sales for the quarter, doubling versus the penetration rate in 2019 and creating a sustainable strength in our business. For consistency and comparability, our sales perspective by banner or category will be rooted in core net sales comparisons versus last year and on comp sales on a two-year stack versus 2019. In our Bed Bath & Beyond banner, net sales increased 96% versus last year and deliver 3% comp growth on a two-year stack basis. Our key destination categories of bed, bath, kitchen, indoor decor, and home organization grew 100% versus last year, recapturing strong market share. And on a two-year stack comp basis, sales grew 7%. Our Bye Bye Baby banner delivered another strong quarter. Versus last year, growth exceeded 20%. Recall, our baby stores remained open in the base period. Also, growth continued versus 2019 with comps in the low single digits. Adjusted gross margin expanded to 34.9%, ahead of our guidance of approximately 34%. Gross margin expanded significantly versus the prior year as a result of strong recovery from our stores, the normalization of our digital mix, and the faster penetration of own brands. We are on track for a full-year guidance of 35% gross margin. SG&A was lower than last year and remains on track to our full-year plan. During the quarter, we made a strategic and incremental marketing investments to fortify the launch of our Bed Bath & Beyond Home Happier campaign and added investments to accelerate our own brand launches. These actions drove additional profitable growth with strong returns. For the quarter, we delivered adjusted EBITDA of $86 million within our guidance range. Our EBITDA performance illustrates how our healthy top line and strong gross margin enabled us to increase marketing investments in an agile and effective way. Gap net loss for the quarter was $0.48 cents per diluted share, compared to a net loss of $2.44 last year a pivot back to profitability of approximately $2 per share. On a gap basis, net income includes approximately $56 million of costs, such as charges related to our restructuring and transformation initiative. These special items are excluded from adjusted results to provide a more accurate picture of the underlying performance of our business. On an adjusted basis, EPS was $0.05 cents versus a loss of $1.96 last year. Also, a positive pivot back to profitability of about $2 per share. During the quarter, we manage our liquidity and cash consistent with our capital allocation principles. We reduced inventory in our core banners by more than $100 million versus the prior quarter, an approximate 6% reduction enabled by further assortment curation. We continue to transition product in preparation for the introduction of our own brands, as well as from seasonal selling and store closures associated with our network optimization program. We continue to invest and transform our business. Capital spending accelerated this quarter. Given seasonality, 
free cash flow was an investment of approximately $100 million in line with our expectations. Our cash balance remained solid at $1.2 billion and even stronger on liquidity at $1.9 billion, including our ABL. In addition to funding our transformation initiatives, we continue to follow our financial roadmap with a balanced, data-driven approach to prioritize shareholder return. As a result, during the quarter, we repurchased approximately $130 million for 5 million shares. Program to date, we have repurchased approximately half a billion dollars or 17% of our shares at an estimated average price of $24. This puts us well on track towards our $1 billion goal by fiscal 2023 and ahead of what we communicated at our Investor Day in October. Finally, I will discuss our guidance outlook for the second quarter and full year. Based on our strong performance for the first quarter and our current expectations for the second quarter, we're raising our full year guidance outlook. I'll first discuss Q2, which covers the month of June, July, and August. In the month of June, we have continued seeing growth versus last year, as well as on a two-year stack basis. For the balance of the quarter, July and August are important months when considering the July 4th holiday and the back-to-college season. Taking these factors into consideration, we estimate comp sales growth of low single digits. Net sales are expected to be in a range of $2.04 to $2.08 billion. As a reminder, divestitures and fleet optimization will continue to impact year-on-year comparisons. Driving adjusted gross margin improvement will continue being an acute area of focus for us. Accordingly, we expect adjusted gross margin to improve sequentially versus Q1 and be in the range of 35 to 36%. This will be enabled by higher on-brand penetration, a more favorable assortment mix, and continued cost savings. Additionally, this guidance reflects the ongoing impact of higher industry-wide freight costs versus last year. In terms of adjusted EBITDA, we're guiding to a range of 150 to $160 million and an adjusted EPS range of 48 to 55 cents. And as Mark and I mentioned, we're raising our full year outlook for fiscal 21. We expect higher net sales in the range of 8.2 to $8.4 billion. We're also raising our comp sales growth expectation for the second through fourth quarters of the fiscal year, which are fully comparable periods as previously discussed. We now expect to deliver low single-digit comp growth compared to robust sales performance during Q2 through Q4 of last year. We are reaffirming our full-year adjusted gross margin of approximately 35%. As the year progresses, we will continue to focus on driving progress via higher penetration of newly launched owned brands, product sourcing savings from negotiated vendor contracts, and more effective data-driven promotion and markdown strategies. Historically, given category mix, gross margin in the latter part of the fiscal year tend to be somewhat lower than in the earlier part of the year. For the full year, SG&A is expected to be approximately 31% of total net sales. On a year-over-year basis, savings will continue to be driven by favorable impacts from store closures and last year's cost restructuring. And finally, 
we're raising adjusted EBITDA to a range of 520 to 540 million dollars. This translates to an adjusted EPS range of $1.40 to $1.55. On our balance sheet and cash flow assumptions, we're reaffirming our guidance of approximately $400 million in CapEx, a growth debt to EBITDA ratio below three times, plans for a total of $325 million in share repurchases for the full year, or approximately $200 million for the remainder of the year. We have also provided additional assumptions on depreciation and amortization, interest and tax rates in today's presentation to assist with EPS modeling. We've also included the previously provided breakdown of core sales on a historical basis. We continue to operate in a rapidly changing environment as it relates to both societal health and economic recovery. We continue to monitor the penetration of the COVID-19 vaccine particularly as it relates to customer demand and traffic patterns, both in stores and online. Inflation continues to be a key area of review as we remain vigilant on raw materials, freight, and labor variability facing many industries. We're establishing a consistent track record of performance while also driving a fast-paced and comprehensive strategic transformation. By the end of this year, we will have driven a 25% increase in EBITDA versus 2019 with a healthier, more focused, and growing portfolio of core banners. And over the same period, just two years later, our EPS will be three times higher given our disciplined capital allocation and share repurchase program. I will now turn the call over to Mark for some closing remarks. Exceeding our plans for the first quarter is yet another positive step during the early stages of our three-year plan. We are proving that our strategy is clear and our ability to execute is strong by delivering on our transformation plan quarter after quarter. We continue to fortify our position as a digital-first, omni-always retailer, and I am confident that our team and our initiatives will enable us to become a more successful enterprise, benefiting all our stakeholders for years to come. This year will not only mark our 50th anniversary as a business, it will also be an important inflection point in Bed Bath & Beyond's history. We are reinventing ourselves as an authority in home and repositioning this iconic company to unlock our potential for a new future of sustainable growth and profitability. We will now take your questions. Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. If you have a question, please press star, then one on your touchtone phone. If you wish to be removed from the queue, please press the pound sign or the hash key. If you need speakerphone, you may need to pick up the handset first before pressing the numbers. Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then one on your touchtone phone. And the first question comes from Peter Benedict from Baird. Oh, hey guys, good morning. Um, so a couple of questions. First, I, you know, look, a lot of, lot of, lot of noise in the market here over the, the over the first quarter. But um, we're just wondering if you could maybe expand a little bit on your share gains, um, how you're how you're kind of thinking about that, how you're measuring that. Um, sounds like you, you think you gain share in a number of these core categories. So that's kind of my first question. I don't know, Mark, if you can maybe build off on that. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Good morning. Um, we've been tracking our um, market share. Obviously, we took a hit last year in the, the subsequent quarter, 
um, because of the store closures. And so we've been looking at not only how we can perform in an equivalent market, but what does the share gain ratio look like? And we see a couple of things there, Peter. It's preliminary. Clearly, we're not back to our 2019 levels of share because we have less doors and we're operating as a linear organization. But what we saw is our rebound was very, very strong and it actually exceeded that of a number of our competitors who were also closed at the same time. So I would say to you that as a specialty retailer in the home and baby space and well, health and wellness, uh, we regained really strong share there that we're going to be building off quarter by quarter um, and sequential growth um, by month as we've tracked it. Okay, thanks. Uh, next question just on um, on kind of inventory and, and, and how you're, you're, you're managing that kind of in-store uh, versus online and, uh, you know, in-stock levels. Just kind of curious, and I know you mentioned there's a new store replenishment process that's, I, I believe it's on tap. So maybe, could you just talk about that as you're, as you're kind of transforming, you know, the merchandise assortment in the stores and um, just any timeline or metrics around that would be helpful. Yeah, um, we're really pleased with that progress here, Peter. I think prior to us implementing the full uh, technology suite that's going to help us and enable us with the use of AI to manage our inventory at DC and store at digital level, we're seeing the curation of the merchandise first at store level uh, and then the exit of underperforming um, brands and labels to make way for a cleaner assortment punctuated by our brands. That's resulted us in being in stock at about 95% um, and definitely even high in some of our key items, which is one of our highest statistics in many years. So our in-stock levels are healthy. I think this is important to note as we curate the assortment mix. As we noted, we were up for the, for the quarter, but our inventory was down uh, over 100 million or 6%. So we're doing more sales on less inventory. We're getting that inventory faster than the customer than ever before. Uh, and this is prior to us implementing a full suite of inventory management and tracking systems and new supply chain. So we see those being net benefits as we progress through the three-year plan, but the fundamentals of what we put in place is working well for us. Okay, great. And I guess maybe lastly one for Gustavo. Just on the on the free cash flow, you know, the, the, the negative 100 million, you know, this quarter. But just how, how are you thinking about that? And, and as we cadence throughout the, the the rest of the year, what's your kind of view on on free cash flow for for 21 based on the updated guidance and maybe any of the puts and takes there um, would be helpful. Thanks so much. Sure, Peter. So our free cash flow in the first quarter came in line with our expectations as we accelerated our capital investments in line with our three-year plan. Relative to the balance of the fiscal year, we're not guiding to a specific uh, free cash flow number. But I will say that we are definitely planning for positive free cash flow. We have a strong plan in terms of EBITDA, a strong plan in terms of further inventory optimization, and we're fully funded in our restructuring costs and marketing spending. So all of that will be sufficient to fund our $400 million of CapEx in the year. So look for positive free cash flow as the year progresses. We typically see the first quarter slower uh, than the balance of the quarter for seasonality. So we're feeling good about that. Our next question comes from Stephen Forbes from Guggenheim Securities. Good morning. Maybe, Mark, just a, a follow-up on the Peter's question about market share. You're cur curious if you could provide 
maybe a brief overview on how you view the company's performance right across these top five destination categories. What I mean by that is, as, as we look at what you're trying to tell us here in the exhibits you've been providing, right, and all the data you've been providing, you know, what, what is the big takeaways, right? Like, what, what are you really trying to tell us about share? Like, what, what gives you confidence that share gains should build? How are the legacy customers engaging with these categories versus the new customers that you acquired during COVID? Just any sort of context that helps us increase our own conviction, right, that the business is positioned to return to share capture. Yeah, um, it's a great question, Steve. I think what we see happening is that we are doubling down on those core areas that we discussed, bed, bath, kitchen, storage, and organ, indoor decor. We're investing in those. We're curating our inventory. We're clarifying our price. We, our price equity in the market is very strong, and we're really trading in an omni-channel way, which means customers viewing us online, shopping in-store, or purchasing through digital. All that is adding up to a strong bounce back to share recovery for us in those key areas. Uh, And we're seeing both existing and new customers follow that trend. Uh, We are seeing slightly stronger baskets um, and uh, average transaction value from our digital customer. Um, But we're seeing real strength in those areas. One of the things we've been looking at, Steve, is the two-year stack. And I, I think it's interesting to note that, you know, while we saw... Uh, over 100% growth in our top categories. It was interesting to see an area like kitchenware that really did boom in Q1 last year. But we're seeing double-digit comps in that category on 2019 numbers, which means that trend is sustained. People are still cooking, people are still buying, and they're still thinking about about their bath and beyond in that equation. So we see that um, having our full omnichannel suite of stores and digital back and operational in this quarter has really brought us back to share growth, and we're going to continue that transformation quarter by quarter. Our next question comes from Simon Gutman from Morgan Stanley. Hey, good morning, guys. This is Sohaman for Simeon. Two questions. Um, first one, Mark, just on the own brands and engagement around that, um, could you just maybe share some of the KPIs that, you know, you guys are tracking to gauge your success there, you know, whether that be POS data or just, you know, store traffic trends that you could share, you know, once you've introduced those brands into a, into a, into a store? Sorry. Um, Wrong mute button. Um, great question. Um, I think for us, definitely it's around our sales targets and plans and the penetration rate overall. Um, and we're seeing a lot of curiosity and a lot of engagement with these brands. And so, you know, for us, uh, we are seeing our penetration rate on own brand uh, increase rapidly. As we said, we doubled that from our 2020 number and actually the 2019 number. So we're prior to around 9% static. We're seeing that in the high teens. And we had declared that our goal for the full year was a 20% penetration rate by the end of the year. So we're very early off to a great start. We have exit of on-brand product uh, that is aged as well as the introduction of new. The customers respond really, really strongly. We look at a number of digital metrics here uh, as well as social media engagement. And all of those have been extremely positive. Our next question comes from Christopher Hilvers from J.P. Morgan. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. 
So you reached a 34.9 gross margin in, in the first quarter. So a few questions there. One, uh, do you think the sort of the clearance activity and in, in uh, from the store closures and the own brand transition is done such that uh, there wouldn't be any deductions going add back going forward? And you know, just longer term, if we're, we we center on that 34.9, you haven't introduced all of the private label brands and own brands that. Uh, uh, that you plan to. So, how are you? How does that 35 and one Q inform? You know how high you think the gross margin could be over the long term. Yeah. Um, thanks, Chris. As we introduce the own brands, we have both exit and clearance and markdowns, uh, as well as the introduction of the high um, margin products. I would say to you, it bodes well, um, but we will continue to see a transition on markdowns and introductions as we introduce the next three brands into key rooms and categories through Q2 with more stabilization in the second half. And we've been really clear about that, that we saw that there's stronger margin potential in the second half than the first, although we do see Q4 traditionally being a little softer versus the rest of the year versus our annualized rate. So the, the, the good news is that we see early positive upside. Uh, we had all along, um, and we were very pleased to come uh, above our garden so that, that we are in a transition phase, an establishment phase, and then we'll stabilize that in the second half. So we think that will be positive. But again, we're in the early stages of our transformation. I think an overdeck we see sequential growth in margin. Uh, I think an over-declaration of that, um, you know, would be not prudent. So we continue to, to monitor it carefully. Our next question comes from Michael Lasser from UBS. If you let me to please unmute yourself. Good morning, Big Philip, for taking my question. Uh, it's a two-parter. The first part is, so your, your core categories, your destination categories, if you look at it on a two-year arithmetic stack, we're up 107%. The other categories, which represent a, a little over a third of the business, we're only up on a two-year stack 88%. I know you're focused on the core categories, but the other categories are still important. When do you think you can get all of them working together simultaneously? And the second part of the question is your quarter overlapped with the period of the distribution of some sizable stimulus. How much do you think that contributed to your performance during the period? Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've got areas like personal care for us, um, luggage, some ancillary categories that are underperforming um, versus those other core categories. Again, our investment has been in the core. That's driving more of our attention and activity, and that's the first cab off the rank. I think what we'll see is more stability in the second half with that. Um, we're starting to see some early signs uh, of return to that. We really want to see encouraging store traffic because that is more of a store-based business than a digital business. Um, so we'll see that balance out in the second half. Um, I think in terms of the overall stimulus um, package, what we see, what we saw in the quarter that for us, um, I think it provided overall consumer confidence, uh, but in terms of it driving the majority of the sales, we think that is more based on our initiatives and our engagement and then the incremental activities we had like home brand launches. Um, and so I think everyone's benefiting to, to a certain degree, uh, but we see our strategic factors driving that. So for us versus a lot of our competitors, we see more stability in the trend rather than you know, 
uh, getting trips and traffic through food and other areas that were benefited from um, the stimulus package, which we've seen through the data that we don't participate in. Our next question comes from Carla Casella from J.P. Morgan. Hi, um, you're sitting on a relatively large cash balance, and you, you gave some comments around cash flow. But can you talk about your priorities to, for that cash flow? Yeah, we. Hi, Carla. Gustavo here. We remain focused on our capital allocation principles. I mean, first and foremost, invest in the business as we're doing, maintaining a strong balance sheet, and improving our that to either that credit ratios and returning capital to shareholders as we're, we're doing with share buyback. So we will continue being agile on our cash balance and our cash flow and act accordingly to our principle. Yeah, Carlo, I just add in there that like we're at the very early stages of our transformation. We have a lot of things in flight, uh, brand investments, technology, supply chain, um, remodeling of our stores and upgrading our digital. Um, what we will continue to look to do is where we have free cash flow or additional free cash flow, how can we look to deploy that against accelerating our efforts in the transformation? But as yet, we're steady as she goes and we're watching those plans evolve. Uh, great news is we're in the right position to be able to um, review and invest as we move forward. Our next question comes from Kate McShane from Goldman Sachs. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. I just wanted to go back to the store comp, uh, which was down 20% versus 2019. I just wondered if you could uh, maybe contextualize uh, what your expectation is specifically for store comp and your guidance, what you think drives the improvement specifically to the store, and in, is the solution really the completion of the fleet optimization? Thanks, Kate. Yeah, a couple of things there. I think that we still see upside in the return to stores. I think we're tracking this by region and seeing that there is different levels of confidence and therefore traffic that are generated in specific stores. I would cite the Northeast, which is a very strong part of our business historically. That is, uh, I think, more reticent than other areas um, like the South to return to stores. Um, and so for us, great news is that as an Omni Always retailer, we're balancing that out. And I think there's been a permanent shift in, in the, the mix and how our customers operate between those, which is great. And we've reflected in that our, in our operating plans. So I think our, our return to strength there and traffic is really generated by a number of different things. We believe that the back to college period will be a really interesting pivot um, and to return to a new normal. And we see that that brings multi-generational traffic, um, both new and existing customers in the store. And when they do, they will be experiencing the new bed, bath and beyond, whether it is assortment or whether it will be remodel. In terms of the remodel, the traffic doesn't clearly um, rely on that as a singular uh, strategic lever. Uh, but we are seeing in our preliminary data that the sales lift margin lift and even down to the own brand penetration lift and, and traffic and transactions have increased above our existing plan where we've completed those remodels. Now we're in the early stages so uh, we will be sharing more at the end of Q2 probably around the statistics there but I think it's a multifaceted pathway to full traffic recovery that we're embarking on as we speak. Our next question comes from Bobby Griffin from Raymond James. Good morning, buddy. Thank you for taking my questions. 
Mark, I just, I just wanted to maybe circle back on the composition of the of the comps a little bit and understanding it's still blurred between digital and stores. But if you look at it on just a transaction basis, you know, where transactions include store and digital, and then can you maybe give some color on transactions versus ticket and, and what's the bigger driver there versus FY19? Yeah, good morning, Bobby. Um, we're actually seeing um, transaction and value growth in both areas. And again, uh, it is definitely buoyed by, by digital. We're seeing that the store um, trips per year are now stable against 2019 statistics. Um, and what we are seeing is a change in behavior that when customers shop, they shop bigger uh, and less, you know, less frequently, although that's relatively stable for us. So I think people come in, they're building a basket and they're going out the door. We're seeing a change in that and we're going to continue to monitor that early on um, because we're seeing, you know, the own brand penetration um, and the, the price value equation really resonating with customers, which is helping build the basket. But it's early on and we want to continue to monitor that through the year. Our next question. Yeah, Bobby, what I would... What I would add to that real quick is that uh, we see a larger proportion of our customers being omni, and as Mark said in the remarks, the frequency of their purchase is more frequent and their tickets is larger. So that's where we feel that our digital first omni always strategy is really, really, really driving our business. And our next question comes from Zach Satan from Wells Fargo. Hi, this is David Lanson for Zach. Thanks for taking our questions. Just two questions for you. Could you provide some color on the state of the coupon and how its usage is trending? And then second, the 34.9% Q1 gross margin is 40 basis points above 1Q19 levels, and so I was wondering if you could help us bridge the gap there. Yeah, I'll take the first part and the stuff I can pick up on the second part for you, David. I think in terms of coupon, we continue to see um, uh, 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 that this is a major part of our business and something we celebrate, but we are using more strategically and surgically. So what we're seeing is that the, um, the allocation and redemption are slightly down as per our plan, um, and that is mostly to do with um, store-based traffic changes but also to how we've managed that and balanced that against great everyday prices. So it's definitely resonating with, with customers uh, and we are seeing then a growth in our Beyond Plus uh, membership, uh, which slightly offsets that Gustavo Reed gross margin breach. Yeah, David, uh, I'd say two things about our gross margin versus uh, 2019. It is above 2019 by about 50 basis points, we feel good about that because that expansion is in spite of having two times the digital mix penetration. And also in spite of the significant shipping cost increases that we have seen um, over this period, which we will start tapping in Q3 or Q4. Our next question comes from John Manadusky from Jeffries. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, first one was just on the remodels. Looks like uh, the 26 recent ones uh, are exceeding internal sales estimates. You're going to be doing over uh, 100 more for the remainder of the year. So is your updated annual sales guide contingent on uh, those initial expectations for remodeled store productivity? And, and if so, 
is that fair to assume maybe some bias above the midpoint of your your updated sales range if the uh, you know next several dozen remodeled stores do as well as the uh, initial ones? That's my first question. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, John. Look, I think you're absolutely right. What we're seeing with the um, the plan for the stores is that um, we actually plan for uh, disruption uh, ratio. We're actually performing better than that. As we open in four, eight, 12 weeks uh, sequences, we're seeing that the sales, gross margin, our brand penetration, and trips and transactions are all above our estimates. Now, that's important to note because our original remodel plans had a very healthy ROIC. Uh, and so we're exceeding that base, uh, both from the sales, but therefore uh, then the return on invested capital level. Our current plans for the full year, with only 26 um, of these completed, does not include a revision of our original estimates on the upside uh, of what these remodels will be going in. Really looking for um, ongoing proof of concept and consistent uh, deliverables to, to share and to change that trajectory. Uh, but we're very hopeful that we've got some positive undercurrents that we can utilize through the year, but not reflected in current plans. Quick follow-up on Omnichannel. Do you think you're, you're expanding the same-day delivery capabilities with, with DoorDash? Curious if you've had a chance to take a look at kind of the customer utilizing these services, you know, whether it skews more towards new or existing customers. And, and obviously it may be early, but is there any discernible trend you can see so far in terms of after customers engage with, with your brand through this, this vehicle, um, you know, anything interesting to call out? Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, we're tracking um, not only the, the upside potential of what the introduction of BOPUS originally meant to our business, which is creating more stickiness with our customer. And that um, definitely has brought new customers in, but is a feature that's being used by existing customers. Um, both in our agreement with Shipped and DoorDash, our goal is to uh, get you know goods to our customer faster and and, and uh, create more joy there. That's actually happening, and that's happening with new customers as well as existing. And I think people are being really, really uh, excited about the ease and convenience of shopping Bed Bath & Beyond compared to years gone by. Um, early indications is that customer is becoming sticky. Um, we're looking at the age profile of that. Um, more to follow, we want to collect more data on it. Um, but we are seeing repeat purchases and repeat engagement as people become really happy with what that service delivers. Um, and stay tuned because we're going to be sharing more on how we're going to be expanding that kind of uh, delivery um, time frame as well as that proximity. Um, that's a constant focus for us in that last mile. Our next question comes from Jenna Gianelli from Goldman Sachs. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, first one is just on marketing investments. Given the better top line gross margin, you took it up uh, marketing in the first quarter. Is that something that we can extrapolate as true for the balance of the year? I guess I'm just curious on the underlying guidance raise. Granted, it's up, but does it also include increased marketing investment um, than originally planned for, for the rest of the year? Thanks. Yeah, it does include that for the rest of the year, although what I would um, outline, Jenna, is that in Q1 we did have some exceptional circumstances, holistic investment in own brand launches that will continue through more into Q2, and then we'll see in half two that really balancing down more of a maintenance perspective. So some incremental investment, uh, we had a customer value proposition and a clear state of intent 
through our marketing campaign, Home Happier, that we wanted to resonate with the customers. Um, and so there's some, some in the quarter moments there that will show some sustainable investment, which is factored into our future growth. And then there's some kind of more seasonal or quarter-based activity that will dissipate over the year. Our next question comes from Christina Hernandez from Telsey Advisory. Hi, good morning. I wanted to ask on the private labels, can you share, I guess, your early learning so far, which of the brands you've launched can, you know, have had more impact and on what categories? And then also from a customer perspective, what is the feedback you're getting as far as like pricing or the aesthetic of these new private label brands versus the national brands they replaced? Yeah, thanks much, Christine. Um, the look, I mean, I, I would go straight to the consumer piece and saying that what we're seeing is is the customer online is providing reviews that are incredibly high. There's a great deal of satisfaction and excitement from the customer about quality, um, quality, value, aesthetic, and that average rating actually exceeds our average digital rating across the board. So we're very happy with that in each of the brands. I think in real powerhouses, um, you know, what we're seeing very early on is out of the three that we launched in the quarter, there was two kind of bigger brands inside the mix. Uh, one was Nestwell because it covers multiple categories in bed and bath, and also to um, Simply Essential being a completely incremental business for us, which is opening price point. Um, but all three brands have done very well. I think Nestwell is probably the original standout um, because it is um, – you know, featuring in our top 10 brands of sales per, per day exceptionally highly and often is in the number one and two slots. So the adoption from the customer has been very, very strong and great repeat purchasing and word of mouth. Um, the, the visual presentation in store, the storytelling online, uh, we're getting really good feedback on all that. People are feeling very engaged and understanding what these brands are and that the value is very crisp and very clear in both how we've articulated and how they can value that against the competition. So all greatness so far and really excited about how these brands will play in this back to college period, particularly Simply Essential, we'll think will have a more of a shining moment in back to college, even more so than its May launch. We have time for one more question. That question comes from Seth Basham from Wedbush Securities. Thanks a lot and good morning. Uh, my question is first on the destination categories. Most of them performed quite well, but why did bed, bed, uh, why did bath and indoor decor uh, lag versus 2019? Yeah, I think um, for us, uh, Seth, the the issue was is that probably had one of the largest um, product changes inside of this as we exited a lot of product. Uh, it was within our plan, um, and so we see this as a quarterly anomaly. Um, as we look to regain share, that we exited a number of brands which were very dominant in the assortment prior to remix within Netswell and Haven with other brands coming through the year. So it was the category that we knew were going to take the biggest hit with exit. So AUR was slightly off because we had markdown product in there and higher mix. We think that that is um, not representative of subsequent quarters. So that's more of a transformation and adjustment category than others. Got it. And relatedly, uh, indoor, when it comes to the – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, so in an indoor decor, uh, similarly, we um, we saw some real boom in, in the indoor decor area and um, 
and we see further opportunity there. We'll, a lot of our investments in that space are, are really focused on the second half of 2021, so stay tuned. Got it. And relatedly, as re when it comes to the markdowns, last quarter year delta between adjusted reported gross margin was 130 basis points. This quarter was 250 basis points. How should we be thinking about that delta uh, for the subsequent quarters this fiscal year? We see this as uh, we see this as a transition, and it should start coming down as we move into Q2, Q, and Q3. The heaviest now in Q1. Fair enough. And by next fiscal year, should we be clean with no adjustments? No adjustments related to markdowns. There might be some related to, but minor, related to supply chain or that sort of restructuring. Well, clearly, fiscal 21 is the major year of restructuring. Thank you. I will now turn the call over to Susie Kim for final remarks. Thank you for participating on our call today. If you have any further questions, please contact us at irbedbath.com. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes today's conference. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.